Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is our Brown Seahawks preview edition. Lance Reisland is coming up. He will preview the Seahawks with three things to watch in the game, three ways the Browns can beat the Seahawks. Uh, Tyler Shoemaker is going to join us to give us his best bets for the league, for the Brown Seahawks game. We'll dive into his rankings a little bit, all of that. But first, Mary Kay and Ashley are here. We'll make our picks later at the end of the podcast, so stick around for that. What we're going to do first is talk about Deshaun Watson, of course, because Deshaun Watson spoke today a day after Kevin Stefanski ruled him out, decided that P.J. Walker would start this game in Seattle. Uh, Mary Kay, I guess what... Well, let's just do this kind of like we did it on the video. What was your biggest takeaway when you were standing there listening to Deshaun Watson? Well, first of all, I was kind of surprised that he talked today. Uh, Usually if a quarterback isn't going to start the game and they're ruled out, uh, quite often you don't hear from that quarterback that week. So I was kind of surprised that he talked. And I even asked him why he talked. I thought maybe he was uh, trying to address all of the rumor and innuendo and all the speculation about whether or not he really wants to play and all that kind of stuff. But he said, no, I just, you know, uh, it's my duty to talk once a week and I'm going to do that no matter what. So, um, so I thought that was kind of interesting, but my, my biggest takeaway was just that, uh, I wanted to find out from him, uh, you know, how he felt about all, all of this talk that, you know, he just, maybe he just doesn't really want to play right now, you know, for whatever reason, maybe he doesn't have the incentive. We heard what Brady Quinn said about him, that he's like a trust fund kid, that he got his $230 million. And maybe right now he just doesn't feel like playing, even though he's been medically cleared. So I wanted to give him an opportunity to uh, respond to that. And he did. And uh, I thought he was pretty good, actually. Uh, You know, he basically said, uh, you know, why, you know, why wouldn't I want to play? I worked my ass off for the last two years to be able to get back to playing. Why would not I want to play? And I believe him. I don't think Deshaun Watson is the kind of guy that would not want to play. I mean, you know, we've covered him now since last year. I think we all know that he's a fierce competitor and that he wants to be out there trying to help his team win. So I, I just never really bought into that notion in the beginning. Yeah, look, I I think there are fair criticisms of Deshaun Watson when we talk about his play on the field. There's fair criticisms of this move. But I think when you start to wade into the territory of a guy doesn't want to play, I think that's dangerous. I I think that's a you can't do that lightly. You can't just do that for clicks. You can't just do that for viewers and page views and all like you better genuinely believe that and probably like genuinely know that you know, have someone, someone close to, you know, like find that out through reporting or something. Like if you're going to say that you can't mess that one up. So, you know, based on everything we know about Deshaun Watson, I would be surprised if it was like, well, he just doesn't want to play. And honestly, like the fact that he was out there against the Colts kind of works against that because he is, he shouldn't have, he probably shouldn't have played in that game at all. And I think that in hindsight, that's pretty clear. He shouldn't have started that game in the first place. But I think the fact that he was out there kind of pushes back on that notion anyway, Ashley. I mean, when you kind of hear that accusation, like, oh, Deshaun doesn't want to play, what what do you think? I think, like, everything so far about this injury, like, nothing has seemed normal, I guess, and what people would expect. But everything that we've seen from him kind of pushes against that for me. Like if he just didn't want to play, why would he have gone out there before the Ravens came and 
thrown and tried to see what his arm felt like. Why would they have gone through all of that? Why would he have gone in there for the Colts game? Like, why would he be talking? It just, none of it makes sense. Like, I agree with you. I think that's a very big leap to be making. Um, And I think even though maybe things haven't gone according to plan, I think from everything we've heard this week, like, it just was worse than everyone initially expected. It was different than everyone initially expected. Like it went from being a contusion to now, you know, this very specific muscle in his rotator cuff, which Mary Kay has written about and the micro tearing. And I also think too, in terms of him talking, like he has been, I think the most specific about his injury out of anyone that's talked to us. And given the most clarity, which I also think can be rare at times. So, you know, even today, I thought he was pretty honest. I thought he was really honest last week and didn't seem entirely sure about how this was going to play out last week. But I think that's like just the nature of the injury, right? Like you you can't be entirely sure. Yeah. I, again, it's it's just, you know, he, he was Steph. Maybe that was part of it, Mary Kay. Maybe he just wanted, like you were saying, maybe that was why he talked. Was He wanted, he knew he would get asked about that and he wanted to push back on that. Um, I, th- that, that certainly could have been part of it. Um, Ashley, what did you take away from what Deshaun had to say? Yeah, you know, I think for me, it was just like kind of this idea that this might be something that could linger. Like he even admitted that, you know, he specified, I think, because Mary Kay, you asked him if the clock had basically reset on that four to six week timeline to return from the initial injury. And he, you know, was like, well, that's the kind of generic timeline. You know, he kept using the baseball comparison today, since this is something that pitchers deal with a lot. And he said, you know, that's the timeline for a pitcher. Like, it seems like there is some unknown there still. And that unknown includes the fact that this might be something that continues to bother him for an undetermined amount of time. And I think that just makes there be like a lot more unknowables regarding this injury, which again, I think I said this on our video, like I know that's probably not something that's super comforting here if you're a fan that's wondering when he's going to get back out there. But I do think it's the reality of the situation that it's his shoulder and even he can't give or commit to a hard timeline for when he's going to feel a hundred percent right now. Yeah. We've discussed this. Like you do wonder if they, I I mean, I think they would, if they had a time machine and could go back to before the Baltimore game, can you just put him on IR? Right. And just not have to deal with all this stuff. Obviously that that's not what happened. Um, But Mary Kay, one of the, I, I pretty, I thought it was you that asked him, like, does this reset the timeline on that four to six weeks? And it just, these timelines just kind of keep adding mystery to all of this. It feels like, you know, it, it still feels like no one's a hundred percent certain where this timeline is at and when we're going to reach the end of it. Well, I'll tell you what um, I did ask Deshaun that today and he was, a, you know, a little bit vague. It almost sounded like he was trying to say, you know, the timeline hasn't changed from when he originally got it, uh, which was right after, the Titans game on September 24th when he first suffered the injury. So if we were talking about four to six weeks from that point, um, that lands us at five weeks for the Seattle game. That's five weeks. So if, if we're still talking about four to six weeks, then there is a world in which, you know, maybe he also sits out the Cardinals game next week and comes back for the Ravens game 
November 12th in Baltimore. Um, so, you know, that that's one possible scenario. But even though I don't think the clock started again on the four to six weeks, I actually think that that aggravation of the shoulder in Indy may have lengthened that time frame a little bit. I don't think it takes you back to square one where it's four to six weeks from now, but I think it could be, you know, a couple more weeks after this before he really feels like he's ready to go out there and play. And now they will be more judicious about putting him out there than they were the first time because they saw what happened. They saw that he wasn't ready. They saw that they had to get him out of there. They saw that he was in harm's way. So I think they're going to be extra careful the next time because the last thing they want, the last thing they want is for him to get knocked out for the season with the torn rotator cuff. Yeah, they, they've got to play this safe. And you guys will hear coming up in the, in the segment with Lance, we talk a little bit about how Kevin has adjusted to how he's approaching these games, playing a little more field position, a little more Big Ten West football here and there. Uh, I thought that punt in the, at the end of the first half against Indianapolis was a prime example right before the strip sack. Um, so Kevin has certainly made adjustments. And so I think, I think my takeaway isn't necessarily from Deshaun as much as it is from kind of this whole week and kind of Kevin's approach. And... I guess the way I read this, the the way I'm reading this a little bit is Deshaun wasn't playing well against the Colts. And then, right, he injures the shoulder and, you know, you're going to play it safe. You're going to put P.J. Walker out there. And P.J. was fine. He ends up leading the game winning drive. Um, This this week, Mary Kay, it feels like Kevin just decided, you know what? I need to know who my starting quarterback is. I need to give Deshaun more time. So we're just going to go with PJ Walker from the start. Do, do you think that's kind of a fair reading of this? I'm, I'm not saying it's maybe 100% correct. I'm completely speculating on that. But do you think that's at least a fair way to read this? That Kevin is protecting Deshaun, obviously, and wants to get him healthy. But also, at some point, you just got to know who your quarterback is for a game against Seattle on the road. Yeah, I think it's all of those things. I think it's all of those things. But I think the bottom line is, their quarterback just isn't ready to play. Their QB1 isn't ready to play yet. If he wasn't ready to play three days ago or four days ago, he's not going to be ready to play on Sunday in Seattle. They need to see a little bit more than what they saw. And I'll tell you what, I mean, when we watched him practice on Thursday, last Thursday, a week ago today, I had a hard time believing that he was going to be ready three days later to play winning football. I mean, he was throwing his passes short. He didn't look like he had confidence. He didn't look like he had the arm strength. He didn't look like he had velocity on the ball. And, you know, we only watched the first 20 minutes of practice and we did see some 30 yard passes, but they didn't have a bunch of velocity on them. And so it was very hard for me to believe that he was going to be all of a sudden miraculously so much better on Sunday. And when we went out there and we saw him again on Friday and he did have more spring in his step and he did have more zip on the ball, but we only watched him throwing 20 yard passes. We, we saw him work in the red zone and um, it's entirely different to go out there in a football game and be back in football shape and ready to go and ready to take a hit and all those kinds of things. So I didn't feel it on Thursday. I felt a lot better about it when I saw him on Friday, and it was pretty evident that day that they were going to roll him out there and play him in this game. Um, But next time around, I think that they will be a little bit more cautious, 
a little bit more judicious, and they're going to need to see that that he is really, really ready to go. Yeah, Ashley, it just feels like with Kevin, like 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 Mary Kay was saying, Friday he looked. We we all walked away from that Friday practice like, okay, he's playing, right? Even though they listed him as questionable, we all walked away like, okay, Deshaun's going to play. And then I thought it was interesting. Deshaun even pointed out today, like practice on Friday is different than when you get into a game. And we certainly saw that play out in real time against the Colts. And I I think even that, it just made it all, a lot of that played into like the messiness of this situation. Oh, is he going to play against Baltimore? We're going to work him out right before he says he's going to play. And then all of a sudden he doesn't play right. Then things just spiral from there. Um, They, they go to him again in Indianapolis and then he's gone before the first quarter is even over. Even though again, Here's that phrase, the phrase of the last month. He was medically cleared to to return, right? Like it was just the concussion that was announced to us. Uh, although we knew that there was certainly issues with the shoulder based on what we were watching. I think Kevin has sort of brought clarity to all of this this week by deciding he wasn't going to play games. He was going to announce this early. And I think he's exerted a, a measure of control over the week that has to give everybody a little bit of confidence in the fact that we know who our quarterback is. We've known since Wednesday. Now let's go win a game against Seattle. Yeah, I mean, I think that part of it is an important intangible, right? Like, I I think even though a lot of times, like, I think when we talk to these players, that they'll be like, oh, it doesn't impact us. It doesn't, you know, mean we're going to do anything differently. We're going to go out there and play with whoever. That's fine. Like, they can give us that player and coach speak all they want. But I think at the end of the day, these are – human beings in their early 20s, a lot of them, and it is a lot, and they are on social media, and who knows what they are absorbing and how it is impacting them behind closed doors, and even just the uncertainty and angst that can pop up when you have an injury to, you know, your quarterback that's kind of lingering, and it's all really anyone's talking about and paying attention to, and things like that. So I do think, like, it's important, you know, to to get that part of it under control. And also just because of like how we know how Kevin Stefanski runs his practices and he wants to give that starter the bulk of the reps in those practices. So like PJ Walker went through last week, not really getting a ton of those reps because Deshaun Watson was out there on Thursday and Friday last week. And then Friday, he actually had a full workload, a full practice Friday workload that he wouldn't have, you know, if he was healthy. So I do think that stuff is is important because PJ Walker doesn't have a ton of reps with his receivers on this team so far because they're just so hard to come by once you get into the season and start, you know, normal practices. All right, there we go. Deshaun Watson addressing uh, addressing the media on Thursday um, about kind of where we are with the injury uh the decision to go with pj walker as the starting quarterback we're just getting started here on the orange brown talk podcast lance risland is going to join us on the other side of this break to give three keys to beating the seahawks he's watched all the film uh great stuff on their defense their wide receivers geno smith all of that uh and then tyler shoemaker will join us after that for his best bets uh his rankings uh everything you need to know if you want to think about putting a little money on this game here or there Uh, And then we'll come back and we'll make our picks in the final segment. So stick around for all of that. We're going to take a break right now. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, our Browns Seahawks preview. And now we welcome on Lance Reisland to give us three keys to beating the Seahawks. Lance, how are you? Dan, how are you tonight? 
I'm doing well. Okay, let's get to it. Uh, I mean, this is a really interesting game, made even more interesting, of course, by P.J. Walker starting for the Browns. Uh, what's your first key in this game? Well, the first key when you watch, uh, the Seahawks are really good on defense. Uh, but the one thing they are, uh, they're very similar to the Browns. They're very aggressive. They're one-gap penetrators. Bobby Wagner's a really good linebacker. Uh, Adams is good. Witherspoon is a fantastic corner. They're good up front, but they're small. Their front, sa- their front seven averages 200 and, and about 66 pounds as, as compared to the Browns, uh, who are about 327, 328, 329 in that range, so about 330. Uh, so I think the Browns got to vertically run at them. So that outside zone, that pin and pull, I don't know if that's going to be successful against the way these uh, Seahawks run. But I tell you what, you watch the Lions, you watch a little bit of the Cardinals last week, you watch some uh, some of their games from the year. Teams that run A and B gap and get downhill, gap schemes, inside zone, the big zone hit uh, last week with uh, Ford. I think those would be successful because I think the Browns' size uh, can move these guys. You know, very similar to last year in terms of they're just not there's not a lot of mass in there. Their nose is you know it's 300 pounds, but everybody else is in that 280 290 range. So I think they can vertically move these guys. Okay, so that should be interesting because, of course, the Browns, you know, I've, I've been thinking about this. If Jerome Ford is out of this game, um, then that means Kareem Hunt is really your featured back. And he's like a power runner. You know, I think, like, at his heart, when we see Kareem run, he is a power runner. I mean, the Browns, with this line and then that size difference, it does feel like maybe they could get that, get a little power run game going here. Yeah, I think they're 13 personnel, even when they bring Hudson in. I think they can do a lot of that. And, and not only does it, it – I think it fits Hunt's skill set immaculately because what else it does, what else it's going to do is it's going to protect the offense a little bit. So it's going to protect the offense a little bit. It's going to protect the defense. Uh, for the Browns to win, they have to play complementary football. So they have to end every – I know I've said it a bunch, but it's really starting – you know, you're seeing it when you play good defense and, and play good special teams. You can win games. And um, I don't think, uh, you know – Walker is a, a quarterback that can win a game, but you can win because of. But I think he's a quarterback you can win with. So um, they have to play complementary football. They got to get 13 personnel. They got to run the clock. They got to minim- They got to maximize the uh, time. They got to minimize the uh, number of series Seattle gets, et cetera. So uh, this is doable for sure. It's going to be tough, but more importantly, because it's a way, but it's doable. You know, so, sort of wear that crowd out a little bit too, right? If you just put together a long drive, like that crowd – I've never been there, but I know it has the reputation of being one of the loudest places in the, in the league to play, if not the loudest. Like, in a weird way, you kind of wear the crowd out a little bit if you're putting together 11 and, and 12 play drives. Well, we talked about it on Monday, right? Being the masters of the mundane, three and four and five yards. You're right. Those are those take something out of defense. They're going to take something out of that crowd. Uh, I'm happy that the game, in terms for the Browns, I'm ha- I thought it was a night game for some reason. I told you that earlier in the week. So playing under the lights in Seattle is really tough. So uh, you know, playing away is tough. To let you know, traveling cross country, all that stuff. But you're right. If they can, if they can, you know, get in this 13 personnel. It sounds kind of funny because they're going back into 13 personnel and stuff. But I really think this might, because of the Seahawks' size, because of the predicament on offense, I think it's important that they stick to the run and even be more run than a more run than pass this week if they can. Okay, let's move on. What's your second key here? Well, I think they're very similar to – I think they can take – even though he's a great player, I think they can take advantage of Witherspoon. So if you watch him, and he is a guy who's going to bite on double moves. So I think Amari Cooper can uh, attack him. Uh, he's a guy who I think is a film studier, so he he understands tendencies on first down running the ball. Uh, the Lions hit him with a flea flicker. He's been beat with some double moves. He's an outstanding player. He's good against the run. 
Uh, he's very, very physical. He's a very good cover guy, but his aggressiveness could get him in trouble, especially a, a guy with savvy like Amari uh, Cooper. So even though he's very good, he's going to make you play. I think he's a guy, uh, first down play action. I think he's a guy you can max protect then, uh, protect then, give Walker some protection so he feels good in that pocket, one or two man routes, uh, and just isolate Witherspoon. Even though he's a great player, I think Cooper, uh, with his experience, can really give him problems, uh, you know, on double moves, sluggos. Uh, hitch and go, out and ups, things like that. So I think they gotta they gotta attack his aggressiveness. Really good player, though. Really good player. Yeah, let's stay on that thread because I just want to talk about him a little bit. Obviously, he had that coming out party on Monday Night Football uh, when they played the Giants, and you know, just an absolute great draft. This Seattle team, uh, you know, of course they drafted the Legion of Boom, John Schneider, and then they went through a little drought kind of drafting a little bit and now they're right back at it just great draft after great draft um last year and now this year with witherspoon like this kid's really good tell me more about him like what makes him so good well they had a great secondary at illinois i know we had talked about it in our draft uh lead up last year so they had they had a really really good secondary he's very well coached he plays uh he can play man he can play zone so he's very versatile in what he does he's just as good against the run as he is against the pass He's long. Uh, he's not super tall, but, you know, if you think about it, he's got 31 tackles, uh, eight passes defending, and he's also got two quarterback sacks, so he can come on blitzes. Um, he's a football player more than he is a corner, and there's guys in the league, the Palomalos of the world, you know, if you think going back a little bit, showing my age a little bit, guys who just play. And Witherspoon's a guy you can put in the box. He's a guy who can play linebacker if they're in a nickel look. Uh, he can play on the half. Uh, he can cover tight ends. He can cover receivers. He's a very versatile guy. Uh, they got Adams back there. Adams plays a lot like Del, but he's really good down along the line of scrimmage. Uh, again, they're very aggressive. Uh, they play some man. They play some They play a little bit more zone than I thought they would on film. But uh, he's really good. He's as advertised. And like I said, his strength, just because he's young, I think it's something the Browns can attack. Is he'll bite on double moves. He's trying to get a pick sick. He's trying to he's trying to get a big hit in the run game. So you know, play action, reverse passes, re, you know, things like that. You know, gadget plays aren't gadget plays if you practice them. I've always believed that. You know, people are like, "What are your trick plays?" I don't have trick plays. Trick plays are when you don't practice. The, you know, Kevin Stefanski practices these plays, and, and I think you can attack Witherspoon as good as he is. He can be beat because he's so aggressive. All right, key number three. Um. The key number three is you got to make you got to make Seattle one dimensional. Um, as good as Geno Smith is, I, and I really like Geno Smith. I've liked him for a long time, and I like guys who fight back after they've kind of been like put away a little bit, right? So he's a guy who's kind of put out the pasture, like you know you had a you know you were okay, and now he's kind of revitalized himself, right? So I think, but one thing he does is he he turns the ball over, so he will uh, he will hold the ball. Um, the Browns have to make them more, so, so cliche, but the Browns have to stop the run on first down. If they stop the run on first down and get him in, in true passing situations, their offensive line protects very well, similar to what the Browns offensive line does off that play action. So if you think about an offensive lineman, he's going to show run that defensive lineman has to react to run. And then he can pass that, which makes it a lot easier than just saying we're in the shotgun. We know it's pass and we're going to pin our ears back and work spins and, you know, ghost rush and all kinds of stuff. So they're not very good in true pass protection. When he drops back in true, uh, in true five, seven shotgun type looks, they don't pass protect very well. But if they get the run game going and then they use play action and pass protect, he's pretty good. So they got to stop the run on first down, uh, make him uh, throw the ball uh, in true passing situations, true true dropbacks, and then they got to do what they did last week. they got to turn them over. they got to put the offense in good situations, short fields, score maybe, 
Uh, sounds kind of weird, but they got to they got to run the show, and the offense has to protect them by punting the ball and not putting in bad situations, and let these the defense go play. I mean, a prime example of that was the end of the first half in Indianapolis. You know, that was that was a prime Kevin Stefanski go for it. Fourth down, four to go, plus side of the field, forty four yard line. Like that's a Kevin Stefanski go for it. He decides to punt, and a few plays later, Miles Garrett gets the strip sack. So, and, and it ends up in a touchdown. So yeah, now, you know, I'm with you too on Gino. I mean, what a great story. He's been really good. I was, I was talking today. If, if I put stats from the last two years up of Gino Smith and Deshaun Watson and went back in time, like four years and showed them to somebody, they'd be like, they'd be shocked at which ones were Gino's and which ones were Deshaun's. That's how good <laughs> Gino has been. Yeah. Um, but when I've watched him, I've seen him give defenses opportunities and the Browns have to take advantage of those. Yeah, especially when, like I said, if they get, and it sounds, it's always, the run game's always quarterback's best friend, but for, uh, the, for him and the Seahawks, when Walker gets going, Walker's a really good back. So when he gets going um, in that play action, like I said, if you look at like Teller, Teller's a great example. Teller is a really good offense lineman. He's going to get better at pass protection. But that those Browns offensive linemen, sometimes they struggle in just true drop back protection because then the entire pass rush um arsenal that a guy has he gets to use them all but when you show run now he's got to step to the near foot he's got to he's got to set the edge he's got to do a bunch of other things before he gets into his pass rush and that's what geno smith does really well but like you said he'll squeeze things in there he'll take chances uh he'll try to use his eyes he'll be late he's you know geno smith is all when he's not throwing the ball well is late and so if you can uh make him hold the ball a little bit get him in second third longs uh, like I said, there will be no – this is a huge got to be second eight-plus all day for the Browns to be successful. Let's touch on this receiving core a little bit since we're talking Geno Smith. Um, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who, who has kind of been coming on a little bit. DK is healthy well, – I don't know if he's healthy, but he's expected to play in this game. He said he was going to play. Um, th- this is a pretty dangerous receiving core. I think Tyler Lockett – Somehow, even though even though everybody knows he's underrated, he's still underrated. Uh, he's he's unbelievable, and you know we know what DK can do, his size and all of that. What, what do you think of this receiving core? Well, it's funny because I, I kind of compare it to the Cincinnati core, right? So Lockett to me is like Boyd, um, and Jigba obviously not at that level, but when we talk about skill set, it's very similar. Like Chase, not a, he does he runs great routes, but he's good after catch. He's he can do a bunch of different things. He's good in the slot. He's good outside. Then Metcalf is the T Higgins, right? The, uh, even though he's got more of a Miles Garrett build out there, but he's that long guy, right? That guy that Martin Emerson should match up. I've heard you and Ashley and Mary Kay talk about it, for, you know, how the defense, even under Woods, has such success um, against the Bengals, and it's because of the personnel, uh, not really the scheme. Now the scheme really matches. So I see Ward on Metcalf, uh, even though Emerson matches up because Ward's playing at a really, really high level. Uh, but in terms of down in the red zone, physicality, I, I could see Emerson on him, especially when they get in the red zone, especially if they're going to do jump balls or uh, back shoulder fades and stuff. His physicality just matches up better. Um, and I see, and I think in Jigba is really coming on. Then, then you got Newsom in the slot with, you know, with, um, with Lockett, which I agree. Um, Lockett is always underrated, but he's always open. He's another guy that does the jets, the, the option routes, the RPOs. So I think the Browns match up well, but again, they're going to have to play at a high level because that receiving core, they're good across the, that's kind of what the Browns are hoping for, right? Really good running game, 
three good receivers, good guy in the slot. Their offensive line runs the ball well. They're not great in pass protection, true pass protection. Uh, but if they get that run game going, then those three receivers are even better because they're going to have to, you know, commit that extra safety down in the box. So uh, good receiving core, uh, only getting better. And Jigba makes them uh, elite if he gets to where, you know, a lot of people, I know Tim and and you and a bunch of guys, he was really good coming out last year, that injury. A lot of people had him as a top receiver in the draft. So uh, it's not shocking that he's doing well. Okay. What's your pick for Sunday in Seattle? Well, Which, you know, I had the line. By the way, like you said, now that you know it's an afternoon game and not a night game like you thought it was. You know, this is a real, this is like really, really tough. And here's why it's tough because um, it's away. So in the NFL, winning away is with all your bullets is really tough, right? If you have everything it ducks in a row, it's really tough to win on the road. Uh, that's a really hard place to play. This game is going to be really, really, really close because the Browns' defense is that good, and I think they're going to only get better because uh, they're starting to figure out what other teams are trying to do to them now. So um, I'm not sure how many plays Walker can think. I think if they run the ball downhill, control the clock, run in a phone booth, like I said, I want this game played in a phone booth, right? Like 13 personnel, boring, get that crowd out of it. Um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm doing it, even though I've been in, I'm going Browns 21, 20, big upset okay. on the road. I'm going Browns okay. 21, 20. I think they, uh, I think they're learning. I think Kevin Stefanski and these guys are learning that you can win with guys who you can win with. And what I mean, not guy, you know, not Mahomes, guys who win because of guys you can win with. And I think, like you said, that fourth down punt, et cetera, those are things they're setting this defense up for success. I think the Browns could steal one here. I go. I got Browns 21-20, like I said. All right, there we go. That is Lance Reisland with his pick. Tyler Shoemaker is going to come up after the break. He'll give us his rankings and kind of his best bets, tell you which side you should land on this game. And then Mary Kay, Ashley, and I will make our picks. Lance, appreciate the time. As always, thanks for having me. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thanks to Lance Reisland for his film breakdown there of the Seahawks. And now, as we do all every week, we welcome on Tyler Shoemaker. Tyler, how are you today? Good, Dan. How's it going? Doing well. All right, let's start here. I want to get your updated rankings in the NFL. We're going to do top five and then bottom five. So let's start with your top five teams right now in your index. Yeah, top five. You know, the Niners are still number one. You know, they've, they've taken a bit of a hit after, you know, two straight um, – kind of subpar performances by their standards. They're, they're still number one. The Ravens have jumped up to number two, uh, which obviously is not not good news for the Browns. Uh, Chiefs, number three. Bills, number four. And Jags, number five. Okay. I, that the, the Jags, we talked about that a little bit last week. Um, still riding high on, on the Jags bandwagon here. And I, th- I mean, the Ravens feels right to me. That team has sort of been... The one question I had about them was they hadn't really played... It was kind of who they had played, right? Even when they played the yep. Browns and that defense, it was, they played DTR on the other side. I mean, I think that's a legit Lions team. And for them to win that game was, and especially the way they did, was really, really impressive. Yeah, and now, um, and this this factors in their schedule for the whole season. This isn't just who they've played to date. But, I mean, the, the Ravens have the number four overall uh, season-long schedule in, in the league. So, I agree with you. Like, they they probably hadn't been – super tested to this point but it's it's coming for them for sure yeah and, and really to me it was like more of the court like you know it was cj stroud in his first start it was dtr stuff like that okay so who's yeah. your bottom five right now bottom five this is 
we got to name this. we got to give this some kind of award. So the Broncos still dead last, uh, a full 7.2 points below what the average NFL team uh, would, would be, followed by the Panthers at number 31, Commanders number 30, Raiders 29, and Giants 28. We do need a nickname for this. Um, <laughs> our, our text subscribers, if you're listening to this and you got a nickname, go in and, and text it to us. Or uh, if you're just listening on the podcast, maybe go leave us a five-star review and, and give us a, a nickname for the, the NFL's bottom five. I don't know. There's, there's got to be something good out there um, for that. Um, okay. Now let's talk Browns. Let's talk Seahawks. Where are each of these teams uh, in, in your index right now? So I've got the Browns number nine. So they're, they're still in the top 10, um, number 12 on offense and actually number 13 on defense. Now, I will say this is where I caution people not to get caught up in rankings, but instead focus on the rating of, of the team. Because like I said, the, the Browns defense is number 13 by ranking, but literally they're 0.5 rating points away from being number seven. <laughs> so uh, it's very, very clustered. I mean, we're talking tenths of a point. I mean, the next one, two, three, f- the next four teams are only um, one tenth of a point ahead of the Browns on defense. So it's, it's very, very tight. And that's that's just kind of by design. I mean, that's the the NFL being built on on parity. So, you you know, you may be five or ten spots different in a ranking, but in terms of rating, there, there's not a whole lot of separation there. And then tell me a little bit more about like the Seahawks and where you've got them. Yeah, so the the Seahawks are number twenty overall, uh, number seventeen on offense, and number twenty one on defense. So I do have the Browns better on on both sides of the ball. And one uh, one note on the Browns that I did want to point out that I, I looked at earlier today is the Browns have the fifth most improved power rating by my numbers in the NFL. You know, from from where they are now compared to where I had them coming into the season. So. They've they've exceeded expectations uh, for sure, at least by by my numbers. Interesting. Okay. Um, all right. So last week we got to talk about last week. I guess last week, last week we got we got we got killed last week. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I guess if you're gonna lose a total like that, you want to just get it over with, right? Like let's let's just knock this thing out as quickly as possible and not have to worry about it. Because there's nothing worse like when you're sitting on an under, and it's like getting real close in the fourth quarter yeah. at least we knew it was over way yeah way could, could just relax and, and go about our day knowing knowing that we had already <laughs> lost the money yeah losing a losing a sweat is is the worst i'd, I'd rather just get knocked out of the park like it did last week <laughs> yeah okay so that was rough uh when when we look at this game this week uh right now here as we're recording this on uh thursday night around seven o'clock and this is off DraftKings. Um, it's got the Seahawks favored by four points at home, and the total on this game is 38. So how does that all sound to you? So I actually, I make the Browns a two-point favorite here uh, with a total of 44. So I, I have a strong lean to the to the over and a strong lean to the Browns. And then, as a matter of fact, uh, that, that's where I'm going to go with my bets this week. I, I think I would play the side. I would, I would take the Browns plus the points, and I would play the over because – you know we've we've played those team total unders. Uh, you know, thinking that the Browns' defense was the one one thing on the field that we can trust. But you know, looking at the season in totality, now they you know they've had really great games, and then they've had games where they just have not been been very trustworthy. So, uh, especially when you look at at that Colts game from last week, I I expect there to be points. And 38, 38 is a very low total. 
I, I would be surprised if it stays under that. Now, one thing to keep an eye on is, is the weather, as that obviously will have an impact on totals. As far as I know, that's not supposed to be an impact, but you can help fill me in there. But I, I, like, I like the Browns plus the points and the over here. Yeah, last time I checked, it's supposed to be pretty mild, um, and I don't think it's supposed to rain while we're out there at all this weekend. So I, I think things are, are fairly favorable, and I'm just kind of pulling it up here in real time. Uh, yeah, it's saying Sunday, 50, uh, no rain. It does, this isn't like the, the actual game time forecast, but it doesn't have any rain really in the forecast at all for the day. So that's obviously... That I mean, that that shouldn't be an issue, you know, if it's 50 degrees or even if it's 40, yeah. 45, like that shouldn't be an issue in this football game. Yeah. And I mean, a, a six point discrepancy between my projection and the, the you know, the odds makers over under. I was I was kind of digging in today. I had some extra time today and was digging into kind of season results with, with my numbers and things like that. And when I've had a four point or more discrepancy on a total, uh, they've gone. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, I think 11 and four against uh against the number so those big discrepancies on totals have been very successful uh against against the over under here so far this year so I'm, I'm gonna ride that and uh especially with what we've seen you know from the browns here recently where where it's been a little bit more high scoring so i'm, I'm gonna play the over here so are there any uh like prop bets anything like that that you like in this game i None that I officially would play. I, I looked at the Amari Cooper rec, uh, receiving yards prop. I think it was 45 and a half when I checked. Um, that was one that I don't do my own prop projections, but the the sites that I use that I trust on that stuff, they were all kind of in the 50s on that. So I would maybe play an Amari Cooper over receiving yards, but that, that's not going to be an official play for me. Yeah, and this is one of those, um, you know, you, you take it for what it is, but Amari has generally in a, in a game where maybe he hasn't gotten a bunch of targets um, – maybe gotten fed a little more. And I would imagine PJ Walker is going to look his way um, a lot in this game. So uh, that that's kind of something to keep in mind there probably as, as we go through this. Uh, okay. I don't have my uh, just random gut feeling bet yet. So I'm just going to ask <laughs> you to start us off here with your favorite bet uh, of the week. Okay. I think I'm going to go with CJ Stroud and the Texans as a three point favorite here this week. Um, the Texans are a team they're the number I mentioned the Browns being the number five team in terms of improved power rating. The Texans are actually number one uh, for me this year. They they've exceeded expectations uh, and they're playing the Panthers who are terrible. And probably at this point in the season, realize they're terrible, hoping to get Caleb Williams in the draft. Um, I, I really like the, the Texans here laying just, just three. I, I project that as a, as a seven point Texans line. So um, that definitely like CJ Stroud and the Texans there. Okay. And what, what are you staying away from? I at this point want to stay away from both the Packers and the Patriots because I feel like those are two teams that every time I feel like, Oh, okay. I've got, got a handle on just from, you know, looking at the box scores and then obviously relying on my model. It's been, it's just been wrong. You know, we, we looked at that, the Patriots team total under last week, they pull a rabbit out of a hat against the bills. Um, so I, I like I like the total in that Patriots game. I wrote about that in my my Veasan best best article this week. Um, the the Patriots against the Dolphins, but man, I I don't want anything to do from a from a side perspective with the Patriots. I, I still am comfortable with the total if they found some some offensive um, continuity here, but uh, definitely don't want anything to do with them from a from a side perspective. Okay, I found it. Um, tell me why I shouldn't take Mike Tomlin as the underdog 
against the Jaguars. Uh, plus two and a half, the Steelers at home. Uh, it's not a night game. I'd feel really good about it if it was a night game. It's a one o'clock game. Steelers at home plus two and a half. I mean, I just said how much I love Jacksonville earlier, but you know, Mike Tomlin underdog, everybody's kind of in on Jacksonville right now. Steelers plus two and a half. Yeah. And the, and the Steelers are, are, are playing much better. Uh, I would not talk you out of that. My, my numbers would agree with you. I would make it about, um, I would make the Jags about a one and a half point favorite here. I would maybe, I would maybe, you know, obviously watch the market, see, see if that line starts to move, see if you can snatch a three. Uh, I also, I, I wrote about this. So to get the full like breakdown, definitely read my article. But uh, in terms of buying points, you know, there are some people that say never buy points. That's not actually the case. There is, there, there are cases where mathematically it makes sense to buy points. Um, I'll send you the, what I call my price equivalency chart, where it basically tells you like, okay, minus two and a half at minus 110 odds equals minus three at whatever price. And that way you can, you know, price shop and make sure that, that you're getting the best number possible. So if you can buy a three or get a three at the right price, that, that would be obviously an even stronger play, but I would, I would take the Steelers plus the two and a half here for sure. All right, there we go. See, my gut is, uh, my gut. It's just <laughs> something about Mike Tomlin, you know, <laughs> like you can't, well, I, yeah, when, I don't, when he's I don't an underdog, the, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I, yeah. I was going to say, I don't have the, the trend in front of me, but I, I saw a trend today where as an underdog, I mean, he's just, he prints money. So yeah, that's, that's always a good way to go, especially, especially at home. Okay. Um, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, definitely read, read my work at vsin.com. That's V-S-I-N.com. I put out college football, best bets, NFL, best bets, uh, talk about my power ratings, kind of how, how that works, what goes into it, that sort of thing. Uh, follow me on X at tissue index. I'm constantly, I was tweeting out some NFL, uh, tweeting out the rest of teams schedules and, and where my projections are. I, I tweeted out the Browns earlier. So go, go follow me there and, and check that out. So you can see just in a nice visual graphic, you know, what my numbers say about the rest of the Browns schedule this year. So uh, always, always tweeting stuff like that for NFL and college. I'll be doing basketball here eventually once, once football's over. So uh, I, I'd like to think I'm, I'm a good year round follow. So I uh, look forward to talking to everyone there. All right. That is Tyler Shoemaker. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back on the other side, Mary Kay, Ashley, and I are going to make our picks for this game. Kind of wish I had waited to record that segment till after I talked to Tyler here, but <laughs> anyway, too late. It's already in the can. It's, it's recorded. So it is what it is. Tyler, thanks for the time. Yep. Thanks, Dan. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thanks to Tyler Shoemaker. Thanks to Lance Reisland. The time has come. Mary Kay and Ashley are back. We are going to make our picks for this game. The Browns at the Seahawks Sunday, 4 o'clock here in Cleveland. Uh, currently on DraftKings, the Seattle Seahawks are four-point favorites in this game. The total is 38, and the Seahawks are favorites on the money line, minus 205. So fairly... Uh, Fairly confident, Vegas is, that the Seahawks are going to win this game. So let's see where everyone else is. As usual, these are our Thursday night picks. That's when we're recording this. You're going to see us make picks on a video. Could be different. You're going to see us make picks in print. Could also be different. Those are like the official, like those are the bona fide picks. Like take those to the bank. Don't actually. But those are the ones that we actually think will happen. Uh, okay. I went first last week. I don't want to go first this week. I'm tired of going first. So who's got a good feel for this game? I think I know the answer to that, but who has a somewhat good feel for this game right now on Thursday at around 645? 
Ashley, well, I know consi- you're thinking about it. Oh, go ahead, Mary Kay. I was just going to say, considering that uh, that the Browns beat the Colts 39-38, to I don't have a good feel for this game at all. Maybe Ashley does. I don't. Although I will say, Mary Kay, you picked the highest score, I think, of everyone. Um, I said yes, like 18-10. to 10. Ashley, yeah, Ashley said, said 17-10. to 10. 10. Uh, Jimmy and I re-went really low. So you um, you picked the highest score of everybody, at least. All right, I'll take that. I'll take <laughs> that. But it still wasn't even close. <laughs> it wasn't close to that. What a game. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, all right, you want to go, Mary Kay? Yeah, I'll go. I might all as well right. go. Um, in today's in today's NFL, I just feel like points get scored somehow, some way, you know, and for the most part. So I'm still going to go with some points in this game. Uh, I'm going to have it as a pretty close game uh, because I think the the thing about PJ is that you know he's going to make some mistakes, but he's also going to take some shots, and he's going to find some you know he's going to find Amari Cooper singled up with somebody, and he's going to take some shots. He's a gunslinger. And occasionally, those big plays work out for him. So I, I think he, I think the Browns have a ten, uh, the potential to score some points. Um, I am going to go. The, you know, the Seahawks. Who knows if they're going to be able to score this many against the Browns? But for whatever reason, I see some points being scored in this game. So I'm going Seahawks twenty-seven, Browns twenty-three. Okay, that is a lot of points. Mary Kay's riding the points mm-hmm. train here. I could see the potential for some defensive scores in this game, which is really how you kind of get those points loading up, right? Like you had a blocked field goal in the last game. You, that didn't end up in a score, but it gave the Browns a short field. You had the strip sack, um, which, of course, it was a touchdown. So, I mean, that's how those scores kind of start to add up. So I, I don't I'm not going to go that high scoring, I don't think. But Ashley, what are you thinking in this game? Yeah, I'm having a hard time with this one. I think as the week has gone on, first of all, my scores, like the actual scores, I, I'm off like every week. So that's that's my caveat to this. I just have had a horrible feel for it. And of course, last week, I'm all like, I'm a little gun shy about picking a high scoring game with the way this defense has been playing and they haven't put a ton of points on the board. And then it's this unexpected shootout that quite literally no one could have predicted. But I just, I'm, for some reason this week, I'm not 100% confident in even picking a team to win. But I just keep coming to the fact that I think it's going to be really hard for them to beat Seattle on the road, even though there has been some clarity this week. Like, it just is one of those games that I don't have a really good gut feeling on, though. And I know, Dan, I think you maybe have a better gut feeling on this, but... I think knowing that it's on the road, knowing that Lumen Field is such a difficult place to play, they literally call their field the 12th man in Seattle because it's just an outdoor stadium, but somehow they keep all the sound inside. It's very loud, very difficult to replicate, even when you crank the crowd noise up. I do think the Browns' defense is you know, is good. It's the real deal. And I'm still hesitant to pick as high of a scoring game, I think, as Mary Kay, even though she's been much more on the nose with these actual score predictions than I have. I do think it's going to be a close game, though, if the Browns do lose, which is kind of how I'm leaning right now. And then I think they'll lose this week, bounce back the following week. So I'm going to go Seattle 23, Browns 21. Okay, so you're both over. Um, 
Okay. So yeah, yeah you, I'm bad at math, but yeah. <laughs> you you said I have a maybe have a better gut feeling on this game, and I guess I do. Like, you know, you talk yourself into things as the week goes along, but I always try to remember, like, well, how did I feel about this game at the beginning of the week? And I just, it's hard for me to see this team going to Seattle with PJ Walker for the, essentially the third straight game. And going 3-0? and I mean, I know that our, our editor, Scott Patsko, will love this. Deshaun Watson actually technically got that win last week. So there's your quarterback win stat. But we'll just say, P.J. Walker, 3-0. and I don't know if I see that happening. Um, but I also don't see Seattle like blowing this team out. I mean, I so I can see the Browns going. I can see them winning this game. I don't think it's going to happen. So because of that, I'm, I'm going to try and stay within the four points. And I do think this defense is going to keep the turnover train rolling, which is why I think they're going to be able to make a game of this and maybe go up there and pull the upset. But again, this is one of those things where things are sort of conspiring against the Browns. And at some point, you got to lose a game that P.J. Walker starts. It's, it's like it's a rule. And it's nothing against P.J. He's done a nice job. It's a tough spot. He's a fun player. He was also on the practice squad recently. Like he's been on and off the practice squad numerous times. So I'm going to take the Seahawks to win this game. I think it's, I think Kevin's going to try and keep this low scoring again. I think he's going to try and play that. I keep calling it the big 10 West style football. I think he's going to play field position. I think he's going to put some of those aggressive tendencies behind him. Like he has the last couple weeks because he knows his quarterback situation. And I think the Seahawks are going to win this game I'm going to go, let's see, what, what's the total, 38? All right, so I'm going to go Seahawks 20, Browns 17. I think it'll be a really close game. I think it's going to be tight. I, I mean, I could certainly see a scenario where the Browns force like four turnovers and win this game. I, I think that's entirely possible. And like, Mary Kay, this defense is good enough. I know last week wasn't great for them, but this defense is good enough to go anywhere and win a football game. I still believe yes, that. I 100% believe that. And as I'm sitting here picking the Seahawks to win this game, I do not feel strong strongly about that. I do believe that there is, with this Browns defense and with the way Miles Garrett is playing, and now the turnovers are starting to come, they could go in there and win that game. They really could do it. Um, I don't feel confident picking this one either way. Um, you know, like with the 49ers game, I was pretty confident that the 49ers were going to win that game. <laughs> of course, I was wrong about that. But um, but I don't have a real strong, solid feeling because this defense is so darn good uh, that, that they're capable of anything. And all you need to do is find a weak matchup for Miles Garrett, and he can wreck the game. And they have a weak matchup for him at right tackle. And and that means that it's going to be difficult unless they really do something uh, to, to contain Miles and stop him from just being that dominant beast that he was against the Colts, then, then they're going to struggle. But they've, they've got a lot of talent on this team. They've got weapons. They've got talent. But if you can't handle Miles, you're going to lose. You're going to lose the game. So sometimes I wonder why – it probably sounds crazy. Why don't you just get like a big old 
defensive guy. If you have like a really bad tackle, just put some big old beefy defensive guy out there. Just line him up as a tight end eligible. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Why not? I There's a lot of similarities actually between these two teams. Um, like the offenses they run are so Browns fans have seen Kevin kind of run that funky set where they put like two tight ends in the backfield next to the quarterback. And it's funny when they first pulled that out, I happened to watch the Seattle Detroit game in week two. That's like a Seattle vintage Seahawks set. Like what, what's their coordinator's name? Um, uh, I, I'm blanking Shane, Shane Waldron. Oh yeah. Um, he he's got a little bit of that play action heavy personnel DNA that Kevin has. It's these offenses are going to look very similar. I think um, they love big bodies. They they both love to run the football, um, and so I, th- I think we're going to see a lot of similarities in, in kind of how these offenses look. So I'm very interested to see how this plays out. I mean, Ashley, what? I mean, why not just throw Dalvin Tomlinson out there next to next to Dewan jo- Oh my God, yes. Dewan Jones and Dalvin Tomlinson lined up next to each other. Who's going to touch PJ Walker? Mary he Kay, make, I think you're onto something. He would make Dewan Jones would make Dalvin Tomlinson look small, which is <laughs> yeah, he would. no easy feat because like. Why doesn't anybody try something innovative like that? If you know that yeah. you've got uh, like a, a weak link on your offensive line, mm-hmm. why not? Fix it with something innovative and different and new. And I, you know, maybe that sounds crazy, but I would just throw some beef at it. I, you know, I mean, I know you have to have technique and whatever, blah blah blah. But um, <laughs> <laughs> we just we just made a shirt. Throw some beef at it. Blah blah blah. Throw some beef at it. I don't know why. You know, sometimes I I have these wild thoughts about different things that can be tried just because it's never been done before doesn't mean that it's not at least an intriguing idea mary Kay, when we are thankfully back at cleveland brown stadium next sunday and you're at the omelet bar and they ask you what you want on your omelet i want you to say throw some beef at it (laughs) well i am they do call me triple meat you know (laughs) they don't call me triple meat for nothing and i do go triple and sometimes quadruple meat in the omelet (laughs) depending on if they have chorizo there yes (laughs) So okay, there I think you go. the other wait, oh, really ahead, quick, Jan, I just want to say too, like the other thing I think that I'm I'm having a hard time picking this game, and I haven't watched a ton of the Seahawks, but like I did watch their game last week against the Cardinals, and maybe I'm like underestimating I, I think a little bit about what they can look like because that was just a pretty boring game. Like all the points were scored in the first half. Josh Dobbs had some nice runs for Arizona, 20 to 10 score, if, if people weren't aware. Um, but I'm also curious, like with the Browns defense too. Um, you know, you think DK Metcalf, I know, was a full participant in practice yesterday, at least, but he's been dealing with a hip and a rib thing. You know, he sat out that game last week. So I'm curious to see what they'll look like if he is, you know, able to go and be as effective as he can be. But you think about in, in that Cardinals game, they relied a lot on two rookie receivers, Jackson Smith, Najigba, and then Jake Bobo. And I'm like, I just feel like the Browns DBs would have the edge if they're relying primarily on these rookies, especially when it comes to creating those takeaways. And then that's when this game really just kind of gets up in the air. But you, like, even when I make my prediction, I'm like talking myself into picking Seattle. And I feel like I'm going to be wrong either way. So I'm just accepting it. You heard it here first. I picked Seattle. So it's probably not going to happen. 
We just lay the psychology of making yes. picks out for everybody to, to hear. Uh, okay, there you go. Our Brown Seahawks preview here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, make sure you're a football insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info on that. I do a pregame Q&A with our texters before every game. Of course, we do Hey MKs every week. Those come from our texters. You want to get involved. It's the blue banner at the top of the page at cleveland.com slash Browns. Find us on YouTube, Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com. If you search that, you will find us. Daily stand-ups. Uh, preview videos, all sorts of stuff there. Uh, and also find us on Instagram, search Orange and Brown Talk. One last thing, subscribe to this podcast if you're not already. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, thanks to Lance for joining us earlier. Thanks to Tyler as well. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks.